Hello and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom Beardsmore, co-founder of CoSync, a company that both develops and publishes games such as Get Packed, Cake Bash, and the recent released Fogs. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you. Well, that's How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Glad to hear that you're doing all right. So why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about CoSync just so we can get a, a little bit of information about it before going forward? Sure. So uh, CodeSync started as a two-person uh, team, myself and um, my uh, long-term best friend, uh, Paul Crabb. We'd uh, you know, grown up playing games together, as so many did uh, during the 90s, 2000s, and beyond. Um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we always joked about making our own video games one day back when we were playing uh, Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy 7, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, those kind of games we were uh, really obsessed with. And um, came to our university days, Paul did video game development, specifically visualization. Uh, so he's a graphics programmer or, uh, and then did design. And uh, I actually did creative writing and, and, um, and screenwriting. Uh, um, but ended up in a job in games anyway, working at Blizzard, and uh, and then it that that takes us through to 2009, late 2009, where Paul and I talked about starting our own game, games company, and this was uh, during the first era, the surge in uh, iOS game development, which made was kind of an easy entry point, cheap, uh, relatively technically easy entry point for game developers at the time, and uh, yeah, the the rest is history. I can go into more detail. No, yeah, that's that's the no that that's that's great. Uh, gives a good good kind of foundation for where you guys are from, and that's I I think around that time as well. A lot, like you said, it was a good entry point into you know iOS development and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people did jump in on that time. Did did you notice when you were doing that? Were there a lot of people doing what you were doing? Was there like um kind of like a fight for the for the market share wrong word probably so to say but you know was it was it easy for you guys to to come out with your own brand of what you were aiming to do i i would say yeah but there's a lot of people doing it at that time um it was kind of the early days of indie development in general mm -hmm. um so or at least the current generation of indie development um so the yeah, it was it was definitely hard to stand out. I think it mm -hmm. always is as a game studio or as any creative studio, I guess. Whether it's uh, you know, um, well, any kind of creative industry, it's difficult to stand out. But particularly in games, you know, we're. Um, it, it, I remember the early days when we were when we were working on our first game, which was an iOS game called Pinch. It was a simple puzzle game where I ended up somehow being in charge of the art and Paul was in charge of the programming even though neither of us particularly good at either of those things um, we, we yeah we, we we our aim was to be creatively independent independent uh, we wanted mm -hmm. to be product based um, so that was that was the, the the whole plan for the beginning we didn't want to be a work for hire company we don't mind bootstrapping with work for hire we still do it now but um, you know, these days we're able to pick our projects a little bit better. Uh, but yes, it was. A, it took a long time to be recognised, especially with such a stupid name as like Coating, <laughs> because uh, you know that started. It started as a little bit of a joke name, 
Um, and now we're, you know, now we're stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Not, not to speak ill of your name. That's not where, where the direction I'm going with this, but yeah, I, I can, I can definitely understand when you kind of paint yourself into a corner with like, with a name, um, when it comes to then, if you do want to rebrand it, it takes a lot of effort to do that. Um, so like I can, I get, I understand where you're coming from with that. And I imagine a lot of people can also feel that way. Uh, you know, for example, all the people that were wanting PlayStation to allow them to change their PSN names for, for years and years probably have a very similar feeling. However, yeah. um, I'm not going to lie. Cosync is a perfectly fine name to have as a, yeah. as a studio name. Um, nothing yeah. really embarrassing there. So not not the same, you know. I, could like be worse. I, said, I imagine. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be, you know, the the PlayStation people. They probably have a much, much more nightmarish reason for why they want to change theirs at this point in time. Um, and there is something I really did want to touch on real quick, um, as well that you mentioned that yeah, around that time would have been the time that indie games were made more accessible to everyone, really, because Steam at that point was starting to kind of open up. Um, but with like uh, Google Play and the iStore, uh, that that was a whole new world. So that's you know being able to get through that, survive it, and then build on it. That's you know that that says a lot for the products that you were you were delivering. Because a lot of companies, uh, from what I've seen at least, um, there was a good amount that just didn't make it past that phase. So that's you know that says a lot to the products you're you're the games you're making and you know what you're continuing to do, which is always fantastic. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, a lot of it, uh, I always say, like, keys to building this successful business, uh, yeah, having that kind of unique creative approach, um, surrounding yourself with the right people is critical, mm -hmm. like, um, talented, hardworking, egoless people you have to be, you have to be surrounded with. Um, and also just, honestly, a lot of perseverance. You have to be really willing to, uh, you know, just grind. Uh, you know, like uh, it takes a long, long time to to get noticed one way or another for most people, mm -hmm. um, uh, for most companies. Um, and I think the benefits of it taking a longer time mean that when it does happen, you're more ready for it as well, both skills-wise and terms of how you'll you'll cope with that found success i guess um but yeah i mean the the going back to the early games that that game i mentioned pinch did not make us any money <laughs> but it did it did receive very good critical reviews mm -hmm. which uh, you know we found over the years there's a big difference between critical success and, and commercial success um so um yeah, we that what that meant was that we get got offered a lot of uh, uh, funding and and work for hire after that game, which um, you know I say a lot. We're talking like tens of thousands of dollars, uh, mm -hmm. but slowly over the years that became hundreds of thousands and then millions um, uh, of investments. So it's it does it, it does it's a good start to start with those few tens of thousands certainly. Yeah, yeah, like definitely, because you know, um, as as they say, and this is a horrible example, horrible analogy, but you know, you really do have to learn to walk before you can run, right? So, like, yeah. getting 
getting that to that position i in kind of what you also touched on for for other things in the you know the creative sense or just the producing sense in general um it's 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 the steps along the way because you're not gonna rarely at least do do you kind of step out into um huge commercial and critical success right um and you know never rarely does that speak ill to uh you as a company or you as a person or what have you that's just the 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 nature of the business right so um definitely can understand i think a lot of people can probably appreciate being told you know it's it's okay to take those little steps or you know those little steps are going to be what eventually lead to something yeah exactly and there are people who do it the other way like uh, you know you know bone loaf you know gang beasts obviously Mm -hmm. coaching is involved heavily in gang beasts um as a uh, development partner um and that is a great example of an overnight success from nothing (laughs) Uh, yes those guys yeah and they have those guys have a lot of life experience but games industry this was their first well, no, they they did have some cool little prototypes in, in games beforehand, but this was their first, pro, you know, major release, and mm-hmm. immediately went stratospheric, of course. Um, yes, almost almost instantly went stratospheric. Yeah. Uh, when I when I spoke to Michael from Bonelow, he um, yeah, you know, he had mentioned when they initially, um, I think it was Giant Bomb. He said did the report, and that's when the light bulb went on for me, is because I originally tried it because it was making the rounds in those. Um, those you know game journalism stuff so it's so yeah some people do kind of just fall into great great luck with that and that's always great to hear as well for you know uh cool and great games yeah definitely and i mean i think those guys are exceptionally talented you know very creative thinkers um come up with genius simple ideas the type of ideas that you always wish you thought of but you know you realize eventually well certainly i am not capable of thinking of those and yeah like i i definitely understand what you mean there is um you know because like i like i said to them i don't want to i don't want to spend too much time talking about them because you know i want to talk about what you guys do and you're here but one of the things i i mentioned to uh to michael was the um the, the 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 physics of the characters were to my knowledge the one of or if not the first that did that and i thought um just the 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 weight and the way the characters worked was was genius so you know yeah like they just that was a i think that was a perfect storm of just a a great little prototype that just sort of took off which is you know always great to have yeah exactly you know so yeah sorry go on no no so i didn't mean to interrupt you i was just going to say yeah it's um the crazy thing about is it just such long legs as well you know they we it had been very successful before we started working on it but then after we released the console and the network multiplayer version it went it jumped another step and and it seems to you know not be slowing down um it seems like it's got real legs on it that game which is fantastic i think testament to all the effort that everybody involved has put in yeah and definitely i definitely hope to uh hope it continues to you know to to keep those legs now there is something you mentioned earlier um, that was, you know, you and your co-founder, Paul, you played a lot of games when you were younger. Um, so I'm going to, this is kind of a two-parter, I guess. Um, did you have a lot, like, what what was your favorite game as a child, like, that you would have played, you know, yourself? Um, and, you know, what what made that game your, your favorite game? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to miss anything, but thinking back, some of the key moments would be... Um... 
yeah, early Mario's on NES and uh, mm-hmm. Super NES and uh, Sonic on Mega Drive. I believe it was called something else to you, the the, the Sega Mega Drive. Um, yeah. The Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, it was yeah, the Genesis. Yeah. Genesis. Yeah. Uh, and Streets of Rage on the Mega Drive Genesis. Uh, Streets of Rage two and uh, I jump to I'm going to jump around, but I don't want to miss any that were really key. Um, Command and Conquer's first big PC game, Red mm-hmm. Alert. Um, and then Half Life, the first Half Life. Uh, Quake as well, a little bit. And uh, and then what really made me realize that games could be more than just gameplay uh, was, I mentioned it earlier, was Baldur's Gate 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually jumped straight to Baldur's Gate 2 before I played Baldur's Gate 1. And I remember playing that game and being just amazed by the storytelling and how immersed I feel felt in the world as a result. And I'm, you know, my passion's always been writing, storytelling. So uh, that was that, that was like that's become my thing from then on. You know, I love mm-hmm. RPGs. Um, but uh, you know, other big ones would be Final Fantasy VII. Metal Gear Solid, um, yeah. Those as a kid, those were the big ones that that spring to mind. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of interesting that you 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 skipped Baldur's Gate one, or at least initially skipped Baldur's yeah. Gate one. However, I do believe there were some uh, some good system changes between the two, so that must have been a little bit of a shock going backwards when uh, when you did get to it, because I know. Um, you know nothing. Nothing bad against Baldur's Gate One. I, I, you know, it's a. I've played it. It's a. You know, I think it's a great game. I, I look forward to the third one when it gets out of, um, early access and you know all of all of that surrounding it. But Baldur's Gate One was kind of rough only because of the uh the the just the Dungeons and Dragons advanced system it was using. It was always um, I always felt and still do that it was hard to kind of wrap your head around some of the mechanics that were updated and aged out so uh, power to you for for going backwards on that stuff yeah i think the main reason i did that was simply an age thing because Mm -hmm. i think Baldur's gate 2 came out in 98 and i'll have been 12 or 13 at the time and i think that was that was just the like i think Baldur's gate 1 was or was it 2000 i can't remember actually now Baldur's gate 1 and 2 but i believe Baldur's gate 1 was at least two or three years before that which just kind of meant that i was probably too young to enjoy it uh, or, mm-hmm. or to try it out when i was uh, that age whereas Baldur's gate 2 fit perfectly um that was the uh, but yes i mean it's certainly even in Baldur's gate 2 there was a steep learning curve for me i was very used to much simpler games you know um much simpler forms of of, uh, of gameplay certainly um, but uh, I remember just once I got to grips with it, I was just completely enthralled with it. I think I must have played the whole thing, you know, however long that game is. It's I, I can't remember now. It must be fifty to a hundred hours if you're going to do everything. Oh um, wow! Yeah, I must have played it four times, something like that, through. So yeah, I was and, pretty obsessed. And that yeah, that takes some some pretty uh, decent dedication. Um, I haven't got much time logged 
in them just because I try and play them uh, co-op. And um, usually, you know, uh, you as you may or may not know, the um, when the host dies, the whole game drops. So it's right. it can be a little difficult to to keep that momentum going. Yeah. Um, in those scenarios, only because you know that's that's a very a very big halt uh, to, yeah. to what you're working at at that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I've actually been playing Divinity Two. Mm-hmm. No, Divin- I'm sorry. No, Divinity Original Sin. Um, taken me a long time to get through it because I'm playing it co-op with Paul, mm-hmm. the uh, co-founder. Um, and uh, yeah, we we love it. Uh, I don't know how. I think with Baldur's Gate Three, honestly, I might play that solo because. I, uh, I, the Baldur's Gate games are about story immersion for me, mm-hmm. and I would uh, like a lot of my RPGs. Like I, pref- I find that co-op is really fun, but perhaps takes away from story immersion in games like that s- is sometimes. Um, but that's probably just nostal- not, um, nostalgia taking control, and you know this this self-taught belief that I need to play them solo. <laughs> rather than anything r- real i can i can definitely see where you're coming from with with that um especially with with some games like a divinity original sin uh, one versus two for example um one tried to take itself a little more seriously than than two did um so it's definitely there can be some instances where uh, opposing play styles I'll, I'll use that term um can kind of contradict with what you're trying to to do or what you're trying to get out of it um so yeah i can definitely understand where you where you would want to like where you the 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 approach for for Baldur's gate 3 like that um however from what i've heard it's a little it's a it's presented uh, a little differently than divinity's original sin one and two so you know it might be something that you can still get the same amount of immersion and enjoyment out of while enjoying it as a co-op game you know i'm not trying to you know tell you how to play it just based on from what i've heard if you enjoy the 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 communal aspect of it as well that one actually might kind of meet um meet in the middle in a nice way for you yeah now you did give me a lot of games that you enjoyed um through your through your youth and such (laughs) um now i don't want to focus on negative aspects of things but uh, is there are there any games from your childhood that you can remember enjoying, but you kind of went back to you know several years later into your adulthood that kind of just didn't hold up to the way your memory propped them up? Um, nothing springs to mind, but that might just be because I try not to revisit them. Um. Because I think, like immediately, the advances in, you know, certainly, uh, certainly visuals, will make will will make them naturally will will off putting going backwards. Mm-hmm. I think I did go at one point. I went back and tried to play Vampire the Masquerade. Um, <laughs> the the first the one that uses the Source Engine. I forget the name of it. I've got it on my Steam list here. Um, I, I think it, it, it might have been Masquerade. Yeah, was it just the the, uh, the Masquerade? But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the that that one I went to try and play Bloodlines. That's what it was called. Yeah, right, I went to right. try and play that again. Um, 
and was immediately put off by it. I was like, this is not as beautiful as, as I remember it, so I stopped playing because the memory was more important to me. <laughs> I didn't want to want to wreck that. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, unless a game has been updated uh, visually, it's mm -hmm. maybe not worth doing it. I think you've got plenty of games to play now. Certainly, my, that's my take on it anyway. You know, I know a lot of people like going back and playing the classics. Um, I think Baldur's Gate, the the obviously they've they've made enhanced editions of the Baldur's Gate franchise. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely like to go back and play them when I get time. Uh, I do have them all. I just haven't had time to play them. Mm -hmm. And you know that's that's a real valid um, approach to it because you know uh, in in today's world where you know you you got humble bundle where you have you know Steam sales or just you know games getting easier to find as they age and be being cheaper um you know you kind of do have a lot of games you can get in, in and donated with them so it's it's you know a completely understandable approach to not want to go back whether it's because you have too many on your plate as it is or as you said not wanting to risk that memory because yeah sometimes you know you play a game and it holds a special place in your in your heart or your mind only because of how you enjoyed it at that moment and you know, as unfortunate as it is, sometimes you can't go back to that moment to recreate those feelings. So I guess protecting it, you know, it's is a perfectly, you know, safe and valid thing to want to do, um, which I've never actually thought about. And that's probably a, a good reason to maybe not look at some of the older games again, when there's always some in front, you know, don't want to turn what once was a, a favorite game into a, a game you don't enjoy, right? Yeah. Yeah, now, exactly. Now, with the topic of, you know, uh, current games and, and you know, the, the how they stay, hold up now, what kind of uh, what kind of games are your, you know, your current go-tos, the current ones you are your favorites that you enjoy? Um, yeah, so I, I, I have a family these. I have three kids and a wife and stuff, and mm -hmm. so be between that and the and um, and work, I have to gen generally have to focus my efforts in gaming. Um, and what will typically happen is I'll pick a game that ends up lasting me like a year, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, embarrassingly. So um, uh, let me think. So this year I spent a lot of time playing The Last of Us Two. Mm -hmm. um, I think that took me. It's not a huge game. I think it took me forty forty ish hours, maybe forty five um uh and i played that for maybe three months mm -hmm. um loved that game thought it was incredible um i uh yeah i've got spider-man miles morales on the go at the moment um last year's big game was red dead for me was red dead redemption 2 uh adored that game absolutely adored it as well um Yes, I've kind of become this AAA guy. I do play a lot of things for shorter periods of time in between. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, uh, multiplayer games with my friends, like stuff like like uh, like Divinity that I mentioned. I also played um, uh, a bunch of a bunch of smaller stuff as well. I'm actually I play um, SnowRunner at the moment with the shareholders in Coating. Um, it's an odd addiction. I don't know if you've ever played it. Um, no, I haven't actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Uh, we play Deep Deep Rock Galactic together as well, uh, a lot, which is a really fun game. Um, 
and what else have we got here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I play a fair bit of VR on my own as well, of course, a link to the job, but most VR games tend to be on the shorter side, so I get through them quite quickly. Um, I play, on the VR side, I play a fair bit of Onward, which is one of the games that we publish, a Milsim shooter type, uh, kind of close to uh, Counter-Strike um, oh, okay. in VR. Uh, it's actually our most successful VR title by a mile. I think it's one of the most successful VR titles of all time, period, actually. And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll, I don't know if that's your cup of tea, but uh, you might be interested in checking it out. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, what else have we got? Um, oh, you know, the big one for me over the last four years that I've gone back to many times has been The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the novels. Not so much the TV show, <laughs> oh. but a but a big fan of the novels, um, and I, the games. All three of them, I loved. I loved them despite their kind of Eastern European jank at the time. Especially, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about <laughs> Witcher Three so much here, but but certainly Witcher the original had mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. some hilarious jank about it. And I, but I love the atmosphere that they created. I thought they they really did uh, did something special with it and i think two was even better and three of course is a masterpiece yeah. um uh yeah i i i was big into the elder scrolls for a while but um yeah with skyrim kind of like a lot of people just kind of burned out on it i think i spent 300 hours in that game and oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah just um almost too little direction in it almost <laughs> You yeah. kind of you kind of hit a wall, but that wall yeah. isn't from the game. It's more of yeah. you kind of create your own wall and then just one day put it down and mm-hmm. it, you don't start it back up, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I I yeah. think a lot of people can can relate to to that one because um, you know that's a common thing I've read. Um, now there are some people that just keep powering through. Now there is two things I want to touch on that you yeah. mentioned. Um, one is, you know, that you mentioned like a Deep Rock Galactic and other uh, multiplayer similar games, which are always great because, you know, as you said, you have, you know, several children, a uh, family, in fact, just a family, I'll encompass it in that. And like those little games that you can jump in and 20 minutes, you've accomplished something and then you can jump out, yeah. call it for a few days. You know, that's always, that's always great. And it's always fantastic to know those games exist. Um, yeah. You know, a handful of your games, um, that I am aware of are, are similar in that nature. And those are, I think as people get busier or just wanting to sit down and enjoy something that's easy to consume. And I mean, no insult when I say that um, yeah. it's, it's fantastic that those kind of things are creating a marketplace or are existing in the marketplace. I don't know yeah. what way is the right way to phrase that, but it's, it's always great to see those kind of games. And the other thing I want to touch on is, as you put it, the Eastern European jank. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I have been referring to, uh, you know, games like uh, The Witcher, uh, Gothic, um, Ryzen, games like that that have a very intentional technical design. Um, yeah. But, you know, the barrier to entry, the learning curve for it is or not learning curve, but like the, the, the skill investment system you have to put into it. Um, I've been referring to those games as, you know, similar to, to what you said, because it's, it's 
a very different design approach that I don't think a lot of people re fully realize is 100% intentional. And it's always amusing watching someone that, you know, might not have played the original Witcher or played Gothic or, you know, similar games sit down and suddenly go, wait, I have to push different buttons to swing the sword back and forth <laughs> or what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, um, that's the charm of it. Don't yeah. get beat up by that level one mud crab thing over there. Have have fun. Good luck. Yeah. Now, there is some also I do want to ask though, because you know you you mentioned the family with children. Obviously, the you know having to play. You know, if you are playing a lot of games or potentially playing games with them around, you have to make sure they're kid friendly. Um, but you know, do you do you find yourself playing games with your kids? Like, are you guys you know booting up? cake bash and you know playing that together or you know other other things like that yes more and more i mean they're only very little so the, okay the five three and, and one so there's all the eldest my daughter is kind of at the age now where she can grasp the controller you know like the early when i was a, about her age playing nes mm -hmm. so she can she can sort of get some of the games yeah um, she just needs a bit of help on the more complex things. But we've actually been paying, playing one of our published titles, Fogs, together. Mm -hmm. just came out just came out about six days ago. Uh, it's, it's done tremendously well, actually. Um, a a physics-based uh, uh, platform puzzler, co-op platform pu puzzler. Um, about a two-headed dog. Um, like Noby Noby Boy style. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it's we've been playing that together on Switch, and uh, yeah, it's really really fun playing it with them. My son, the middle child, three year old, he is more of a troll than anything, so he doesn't <laughs> mean to be, but he will, you know, drag because each each kid is controlling one end of the dog. Mm -hmm. end, he'll end up dragging her off cliffs and stuff if you leave him to it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but it's it's great to see. It's great that they love. Like, they don't even really comprehend that the game was made by my studio. Mm -hmm. So, but they pick it. They want to play that game all the time. So it's it's really wonderful to see that. Um, I have had, the, had them, this might make me the worst parent ever, but I have had them sit and watch me play some more uh, <laughs> adult content, uh, like uh, God of War. Mm-hmm. For example, they watch me play quite a lot of that. Most of it's fine, but there's a few bits <laughs> where you're breaking the necks of giants and stuff like that, where I was like, oh, kids, maybe you should turn away for a minute. I think we're about to murder this uh, thing. Um, which obviously makes them pay more attention, right? Which, yeah, of course makes them. But they, they also, they watch me play Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. they, they're big, big Spider-Man fans, so they love that game. They watched me play the previous Spider-Man as well. That game's mostly family friendly uh certainly not much cursing in it or anything so i, I think yeah i would sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there that's no, all right i was just going to say i i think yeah we've got years of uh of gaming ahead of us all of us mm -hmm. and you know in defense of of spider-man at the very least you know i think a lot of people would struggle to find a an example of that game not really being something you could play in front of your kids because you know even if you look at some of the smaller details in it you know, there's a lot of safety set up in ways that you can go, oh, no, no, you know, Spider-Man just webbed that man to the building after he fell off. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's not in a, in a position where the violence can be 
without you know explaining or without explaining it you know you can you can easily show that the violence is not over the top or gratuitous um, yeah i have no defense for a god of war mind you but no you know, no no god I'm of not, war you know i'm not one to talk myself my my father started me with doom when i was like six so you know <laughs> oh. i'm in no i'm not going to ever try and argue <laughs> against that because you know it is what it is right yeah yeah yeah, I think the big problem was, you know, I was playing God of War over a Christmas period, and mm -hmm. obviously we're taking a break from work, so I've got loads of free time, and I was obsessed with God of War. It's an incredible game, incredible game. Um, and so I didn't want to not play it while they were awake. I didn't want to have to wait till the evening. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'll just pause this and try and shimmy them out the room when I think there's going to be a lot of violence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, most of the time, the creatures that you're killing in there are like golems and stuff, aren't they? So, you know, they're rock men falling apart rather than, you know, too much blood. But there is the odd time where you're ripping the head off of something or other, like a giant, like I said, where yeah. I did have to shuffle them out quickly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and like you, you also mentioned, you know, your, your, your two oldest playing Fogs, so that... That is a fantastic game. I just want to make sure I, I say that before um, moving forward, if anything, or, you know, before I forget to. But, yeah, no, Fogs is a, a fantastic game. Like you said, it's a, kind of like the, the double-sided Noby Noby Boy, which is... Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. It's a, a weird sell, only because Noby yeah. Noby Boy is a weird sell. Yeah, um, it is. And I say that have having bought, and I believe beat it i don't remember it was a very surreal experience yep <laughs> similar to fogs it is a very surreal experience but in a um in a really nice way like the puzzles are are fun um i i played the demo with my girlfriend and we're looking forward over the you know the holidays coming up to you know being able to sit down and and hopefully play it through um but it is a is it a it is a fantastic game that you know it's uh, the puzzles were um were you know not overly challenging but you know challenging enough that you had to you know sometimes take a minute and figure out which is always fantastic because you know you don't feel utterly defeated which is i think a problem with a lot of puzzle games is some of them push that line a little too hard and you know you end up at the end of it all being more frustrated than you were relaxed or having that yeah. sense of accomplishment so you know it's yeah. just wanted to point out before i forgot that you know to, to mention that about fogs that it's a it's a great game and people should definitely check it out thank you yeah yeah no worries um so this question is going to be a little different just because it's it's kind of crosses a, a different kind of landscape um or not sorry it doesn't cross it 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 kind of crosses two different paths for you and that's because you know you guys are a developer and a publisher so from from that perspective how do you feel about the current landscape of games fandom and interaction with fans? Um, and are there different sets of expectations as a developer versus as a publisher that you might have ran into or come across? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've kind of, at this point, we've kind of, we feel like we've seen a pretty broad spectrum of, of user mm -hmm. uh, type of user because we have a broad spectrum of titles that are involved in, obviously, things from Gang Beasts to uh, IP-licensed products like Transformers and, and the upcoming Jurassic World Aftermath. Um, 
and uh, then all the way to sort of hardcore games like the like onward the the uh, milsim so yeah i i think every audience is inherently positive um i think you know uh people are dumber than a person if that makes sense so as soon as you get a crowd of voices screaming mm-hmm. uh they become or, or or making noise they na- they naturally appear more uh you know toxic if i may toxic yeah <laughs> than uh than an individual people so i think you know the more that we're able to engage with people on an individual mm-hmm. basis the better uh, with a with a, each person on an individual basis the better the people as a whole will the users will will seem and feel and and um, you know and the and the the user base will feel so i think that that is that's generally what we try to try to do um tools like discord are great for that mm-hmm. um we have a, a a discord specifically for onward which is very very positive environment very very busy constantly active uh because the the user base is quite vast um and then we have our 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 uh, own discord for our own in inbuilt uh, or uh, in-house uh, built games and published titles uh, for coaching specifically which um, is very very friendly place and relatively fast growing because of course we've only launched our first three published titles uh in the last uh, four months mm-hmm. so yeah we've um but it seems to be a very very pleasant um group of people that are playing our games i think because our games so far are quite pleasant in themselves so you know you got fogs and cake bash you got get packed which is currently stadia only but will be coming to other platforms um they're all pretty light-hearted games mm-hmm. and relatively well built and well maintained and we try to communicate well with our users so that they don't feel like they're getting stiffed in any way um and yet that yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, like the, the, what you said, you know, is, you know, when you have a bunch of people, kind of mob mentality might kick up or kick in and uh, being able to deal with people kind of as a one on one that that kind of has two folds, really, because, um, yeah. you know, you one if people see you interacting one on one of people, it kind of makes them think maybe you'll interact with them one on one. But at the same time, um, you at that point, you're addressing a person, not a group right so that's that's a a good mentality i think i want to say phrase it as um to to go with that because yeah like if you you know if you if if you're not careful the mob runs rampant but you know addressing each person kind of makes the mob disperse and um everything just sort of flow a little better yeah now one last question for you before uh before moving on there now, seeing as that Cake Bash is a party game about yeah. party snacks, interacting with each other, in some cases, you know, dressing each other up or beating each other up, uh, is it safe to assume that you are at least a little familiar with Mario Party? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what kind of favorite Mario Party mini games uh, are, oh. your, are on your list? Yeah, um, so I'm trying to think the, the previous Mario, the last Mario Party I played must have been on switch um 
Oh no, am I mixing up with Wario? Uh, which the uh, Wario Wad? Yeah, Wario Wad. Yeah, I may be mixing it up actually. I don't want to mix up the the mini games between those two. Um, yeah, if I was to pick a mini game, it's been a while since I've played one. Now there was there was one that I I really liked a simple mini game. I can't remember if it was in um, in uh, Mario Party or in Wario Wear. Mm-hmm. There's one where there's a tilting round table. Mm-hmm. Where you, four players are uh, are uh, having to balance on. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that is that ring a bell? But I can't remember which game it was in. And then you know wh- whoever falls off first loses. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know though. I'm not sure which game that was in, to be honest. Uh, you know, that's a good good question. I think that probably lends itself more to Mario Party because if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I believe WarioWare, um, their mini games were more single person focused. Um, yeah, much simpler as well. Of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. quicker. Mario you know, Party, they're yeah. you know thirty second in and outs kind of thing. Um, yeah. Now, because you mentioned, I'm going to say if you haven't played mario like a mario party in a while the mario party for the switch i personally feel that it was a good return to to form um you know i didn't play much after the nintendo 64 in terms of mario party just because that's how it was for me yeah yeah, but um they they kind of lost their way from what i've read and heard um you know into the gamecube and the wii and the wii u era but the mario parties uh for the switch it feels very reminiscent back to the Nintendo 64 era. So if you are, you know, ever thinking about picking one up again, I, I'd recommend it. It's, you know, it's 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 good family fun. Uh, not to shoehorn family in there, but it's it's good fun that everyone I think can can reasonably enjoy and easily pick up. Absolutely. Which one is the Switch one? Is it just called Switch, or is it called Mario Party Eight? I think it might just be Mario Party. Um, okay. Oh, that's it's Super Mario Party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah, because Mario Mario Kart was Mario Kart Eight on Switch. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I can't. You know. I can't even remember which one it was that I last played. But it's somewhere in the last couple of years that I've played one. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably at a uh, Christmas party or something. But yeah, with like a you know an, a family that's getting older. Um. Yeah. You know. That might be something to 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 look into in the future if they if they get tired of beating each other up as cupcakes and as donuts. That is exactly definitely. I mean the you know the one that I remember the most is the N sixty four one. Same mm-hmm. as you played. Uh, there was a weekend when I was probably around the age of ten or something, ten or eleven, where I spent at some family friend's house and the four kids, of which me and my brother were two spent the entire weekend on Mario Party for N64. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whichever one that was. It must have been Mario Party 4 or something. I think the easiest way to determine what one it might have been is if your your hand had a had a hole in it when you were done playing. Because if that was the <laughs> case, it would have been one. Um, yeah. And if you walked away <laughs> without a massive, you know, cut on your hand from jamming it on the, the joystick, it was probably two or three. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> uh, Nintendo quickly realized they can't have a game that actively encourages people to um, cut their hand up on their joystick. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So Tom, I just want to thank you for, you know, for, for making time today to talk to me about, you know, your favorite games and, you know, Coat Sync. Is there anything else that you, uh, you guys have upcoming? Um, you know, you mentioned Fog is just released, but is there anything else you, uh, you want to make sure people are aware of or um, talk about so that, you know, just, again, that people are aware of? Uh, besides Fogs, we got uh, we've got Jurassic World Aftermath um, launching for uh, Oculus Quest. Um, pretty soon, uh, people are going to hear about it. Um, it's a uh, survival horror game uh, based, inspired primarily by that classic scene in Jurassic Park One with Lex and Tim. Um, uh, avo avoiding the velociraptors in the kitchen that's the mm -hmm. big inspiration but set in the Jurassic World timeline um, fits in between the movies uh, features actors characters from the movies um, so yeah I think keep an eye out for that one it's got a really beautiful unique art style and I think the team have done an amazing job on it so uh, I think people will like it yeah definitely and um uh you know, it's it's always great to see more VR games coming out, especially survival horror ones, just because it kind of mm -hmm. gives you a different sense of agency that you might not have had uh, before, you know, in a, in a game that, you know, you don't have, you know, the, the head strapped on of the gloves. Um, and I, I, I say that strictly from a standpoint of someone who hasn't had a whole lot of experience with VR, but I imagine those kind of experiences are um, both terrifying and enjoyable, so... You know, yeah. if you're you're into those kind of games, I imagine this is definitely something to to check out. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think now is the time for VR as well. You know, it's uh, I think uh, you know if we look at it commercially, even it's pretty successful for uh, for for developers at the moment to produce a VR game, certainly on Quest, PSVR, Steam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we have games on on quest for example are uh, outselling our most successful non-vr games now so there's definitely a growing market there um and i think that the technology is in a place now where it's pretty uh compelling as well the quest is a really fantastic piece of hardware very comfortable uh with great games to to play as well Oh, that's that, that's great to hear. Um, you know, I personally I've only really used uh, the the Vive um, through a friend uh, and the the PSVR only a few times. So it's always good to hear you know about other other VR uh, not approaches um, options, but other VR options because you know personally I like you kind of, I I agree with what you said is you know now is kind of the the time for it it's hitting a point where technology wise it's it's getting um more affordable so you know mm -hmm. I think people like me and myself are always going to kind of keep uh, an open mind to what's available that's going to offer the the best bang for buck essentially you know Yeah Yeah All right. Well, again, Tom, thank you um, so much for for joining me. Uh, yeah, and it was you know uh, it was great to to work all this out. You know, looking forward to this conversation. Uh, 
Uh, thanks again for joining me on the Red Tunic podcast, and a special thanks again to you, Tom, for making some time to have this conversation, as well as a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the, allowing me the use of his music from the title track from Road Steep. Join me next time. <laughs>